Amen. Are you glad for that tonight? That is our subject. Praise God, my sins are gone. I want to title the message, Purge Tonight. And uh, uh, just before we turn to the Word, I just want to bring you greetings from Germany. And uh, Brother Andreas Ringen, the pastor there, whom we had the privilege of being with uh, weekend before last. And uh, I just say a wonderful church and a wonderful ministry. Had never met Brother Andreas before. But uh, it was a privilege to be with them. And uh, we had kind of connected through a mutual friend, actually Brother Stephen Abali in Africa, and had really impressed upon Brother Andreas uh, to invite me. And, and uh, you know, as little as you feel, and maybe you feel like a donkey could do the same thing, but, you know, it's, it, you just kind of have to follow the leading of the Lord. And so we thank God for the outpouring of His presence. You know, I always take, uh, whenever I go somewhere, thank you, that's all the singing will do. Whenever I, I go somewhere, I always take a, um, a foundational thought to start out with. Uh, if I'm just visiting there for the first time, just to see that we can all get on the same page. And, and uh, I mentioned that at home, and my daughter said, Yeah, Dad, you preached on the title deed, didn't you? I said, you know me pretty well. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, you know, I could see that they had been well taught. And uh, they were just right there. And uh, the presence of the Lord was just mighty. And the people just uh, broke into the presence of the Lord and just worshipped. And it was just a wonderful time in His presence. So we thank God for that. And had quite a trip home. And I'm very thankful to be home and that my luggage could join me. Um, it uh, took a little while, but it got here. And, uh, you know, you never realize what you use until you don't have it anymore. So uh, we're glad they didn't completely lose it. I'm glad to have Brother Michael and Andy's home. And uh, Brother Kyle's back home. They had some troubles as well. But, you know, by God's grace, you know, it's a lot better than traveling on horseback. <laughs> or being on a ship going across the ocean. Or traveling six months away from your family to go somewhere. It's, we have it pretty soft in this age. And we're thankful for all of that. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and stand together. I'm honored this evening um, to be able to preach on my wife's birthday. Of course, she wouldn't want me to tell you that, but uh, uh, I just want to mention it's an honor. And uh, uh, Greetings to uh, Samuel St. John, is it? Also his birthday, you were saying? Yeah, 16th birthday, Brother Samuel St. John. I don't think he's here, but uh, if he's watching, streaming, God bless you, Brother Samuel. Realize that the family is going through um, the loss of a loved one. And we realize, you know, that, you know, when, I, when the saints, uh, we do not sorrow, the scripture says, as the world does. But, but nevertheless, when you lose someone that has a great impact on your life, you know, it, uh, though they're in a better place, you still realize the loss that you have because of that. And though we will see them again, Yet we, we know that in this world, we have to struggle onward. And life goes on. And as David said, you know, he said, I go the way of all the earth. And if the Lord tarries, we all go that road. And uh, 
I'm just looking at Brother Richard here. We didn't think we'd get this old, did we? And, uh, you know, we, many, many years ago, I remember hunting as young men up in the north. And my, what we would, the, the rudimentary accommodation that we would sleep in in those days. And uh, wouldn't do it in these days. Time has gone on. And I say, even so, come Lord Jesus. You know, we certainly want to be caught out of here before this world gets much worse. Amen. Are you looking forward to that? You know, we come together with that kind of an expectation. We haven't come together just to, just to hear some nice things, though we will hear some nice things if they're from the Word of God. We've come to make sure that we're ready to go. We've come to make sure that we're in the right place. This is a house of correction. This is a house of consecration. It's a house of worship. It's not just an event that we attend in our lives. But this is a place that we go to to meet with the true and living God. Because He's promised to be here and He's here. And we're here. And so let's approach Him in prayer before we turn to the Word. If you have a need, why don't you just hold it before the Lord. Wonderful Heavenly Father, just been meditating today on that subject. How glad it is to know that our sins are gone. Like the songwriter said, the bliss, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. Our sins not in part, but the whole are nailed to the cross, and we bear them no more. Oh Lord, how great is your redemptive work. How wonderful, Father, to stand cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, by grace, through faith. Not of any works that we have done, nor could we ever attain, Father, unto so great a value that you've bestowed upon our lives. But Lord, we have received it by your hand. And we say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be together, gathered around the word that will never fail. Though heavens and earth passes away, your word is eternal. And Lord, it has an eternal impact upon our lives. And and when we come together in this mortal realm, we're conscious, Father, of our needs, our, our, our burdens, Lord, our weaknesses, our frailties. Lord, we've been reminded this week that here we have no continuing city. Brothers and sisters amongst us have lost loved ones. And Lord, that's never easy. It's a, it's a separation, Lord, though it be but for a short season. But yet, Lord, we're, we're mindful of them that you'll bear them up. Lord, that you'll be their strength and their comfort. And Lord, as we turn back the pages of the Word, you who discerns every need that is in this place, may you come to the need, Lord. May you direct the speaker in the Word. We might have some notes. There might be some words before us, Lord, but it's not the words on the page that are important. It's the God in the Word that is important. And we pray that you'll anoint it to each and every one, whether they're here, out on the internet, watching this service in the days ahead. May it be, Lord, to your glory and to the power of your resurrection. We pray and ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn together to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, This will be still along the lines of perfection. And uh, 
I want to speak tonight on being perfected by the purging. And I want to dwell on that, the, not just the, uh, the act, but rather the impact of it, the effect of it within our lives, and the desire of the predestinated seed gene. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience or desire of sins. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. I want you to take your Bibles also and turn with me to Psalms chapter 51. I want to begin here with the Psalm of David. Because we realize in the, while in the Old Testament they did not have uh, the blood of Jesus Christ to apply They did not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost that we have since the day of Pentecost. They did not have the life of Christ in the church. But nevertheless, they still had a predestinated seat. There was still something within them that was yearning. And as Brother Tom was praying, even before the service in the office, where there's a deep calling, there has to be a deep to respond. And so we see here in David in Psalms chapter 51, it's, it's uh, after he had... Uh, Well, I'll just read the caption at the top. I don't know if you have it in your Bibles, but it says to the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So David now had been under the influence of an adulterous spirit. But now, having been exposed by the word for the hour, his, his heart, which was a heart towards God, began to cry out and begin to yearn for something. And, and, I, and I want to take it as a springboard here. And I want you to notice just verse 6 and 7, if you would. He says, Behold thou desirous truth in the inward parts. All right, so he's not speaking about actions now. He's speaking about the inside man. And he says, And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. And then he says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. We know that David was a prophet as well as a king and and many things that he wrote about and sang about were inspirations. Like it was David that cried out, you know, my uh, my hands, they pierce my hands, you know, my feet, my they cry out to me and you know as though they were piercing his hands, but it was he was in the spirit prophesying of Calvary. And so it was something predestinated within him that found a channel of expression in his life. And I I want to look at David's words as he cries out in this psalm, Create in me a clean heart. He's crying for something which Paul writes in Hebrews. He says the worshiper in those days, they couldn't have it. But yet it didn't stop them from crying for it. 
The desire within the predestinated seed is always this. Uh, I desire that I would be washed in the inward parts. Not just the outer parts. Not just a covering of the blood of bulls and goats. Not just something to say, oh well, my, my sins have been covered. I desire to be cleansed in the inner nature and be changed from these things that drive me that I can't seem to get away from. And so while they're... And, I, and you know, some, in some ways that you can't imagine what they went through being a believer yet not having the new birth because we know by the new birth it changes our nature but yet we realize before we were born again before we had been quickened by the word of God there was a there was a contrasting nature in us we wanted to serve God but we didn't know how we wanted to do right but we didn't know how we wanted to overcome but we didn't know how and so there was that nature in David that yearning from the inside he was crying from the state of a fallen nature with a seed gene that had not yet been quickened and he could not be inwardly purged yet here he was desiring a purging. So David's was the cry of a predestinated seed for perfection. The seed within him crying out, I was meant to be perfect, but yet how to be there, I don't know. And so he's saying, Lord, create in me that clean heart. And so Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, it goes on to describe, and I, I won't make you turn to back to it but it says about Christ but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool for by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified Amen. By one offering, Calvary. By one sacrifice, the blood of Jesus Christ. He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Not perfected and then unperfected and then perfected and then unperfected, but perfected forever. Once purged, you are perfected forever by the blood of Jesus Christ. All right, stay with me. I know this this should be rudimentary to us, but sometimes we just need to bring it to our remembrance. Sometimes we just need to be reminded because the devil likes to uh, remind us of our outward faults. He likes to remind us of the weakness of our flesh. He likes to afflict us in our minds and because that's the greatest battle that takes place. And it takes place in the believer that's born again. And so we, we recognize that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been perfected forever. Amen? Amen. All right. So David was no different than the woman at the well. There was a seed in her crying out. And so Jesus, the Word made flesh, said, I have needs to go by Samaria. There were, God could not leave his predestinated seed in that condition, but he had to come to her to let her know that, she, that the light could strike her pathway and that she could be changed. No different than the woman that washed Jesus' feet at the feast of Simon and how that, that Simon had a feast and, and there might have been lots of ideas of why Simon was having a feast, but really he had a feast because Jesus needed to be there. Because this woman needed an opportunity 
to wash his feet. You see, when, when God hears your cry, he will arrange events to come by your way. I experienced the supernatural hand of God in my young life and many of you know my testimony and, and certainly Brother Mark is here. I see him sitting over here this morning and how that, you know, it was in the same month that we were transferred to the same small town in the Okanagan of about 1,500 people. And, and, you know, he was with the RCMP. I was with the Royal Bank of Canada. And God was arranging events. Because he wanted to come by my way. He had already come by Brother Mark's way. But he wanted to come by my way because there was a seed crying out. A seed that cried out uh, about 18, 19 years old here as I walked the streets of New Westminster and said, God, where are you? Where are you? Where, where, Where can I find you? Yet here he was in Cloverdale, but that wasn't what God wanted to do. He had to get me away from my family, get me away. You see, God has to arrange events that he knows that you need to come face to face with God and be quickened. I'll say it this way. Maybe the woman at the well wouldn't have been able to receive it if she didn't have to come at a time separate from everybody else. And so God allowed the events in her life to be so evil. See, to God it doesn't matter how evil they are because it's all evil. To God the entire world is lost. Everybody's in a condition of sin. We're all born in sin. We're all shaped in iniquity. We all come into the world speaking life. So it doesn't matter what your background is. Your background's no more evil than my background. You could have been raised in a church every day of your life. You could have been raised in a message church. You're still born in sin. And God will still arrange events to bring you face to face with Him. Some people, it'll be at a camp meeting. Some people, it'll be at a church service. Some people, it'll be in their bedroom. Some people, I hate to say it, but he's even got to take them away from everybody so he can get face to face with them and say, you're my son. You're my daughter. You're mine. He's the one that orchestrates events. And so we stand here as ministers and we preach and we labor and we bring the word out. What is the purpose of all of it? To raise the level of faith that you might be quickened in the presence of God. All were born in sin. All need quickening. Hebrews chapter 1 and 3 says, Who being in the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. It's finished. He called out on the cross. It is finished. I've purged their sins. They're all paid for. Past, present, and future. Then what can we say? If God be for us, who can be against us? So David cries out and he says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hyssop was the, the uh, 
the plant that was used by Israel to apply the blood in the land of Egypt. Moses said, slay the lamb, take the blood, and take hyssop, and apply the blood to the doorposts and the lintel. Brother Branham picks it up in a message in 1958. He says, now in the Old Testament, when the blood was applied over the lintels of the door, I'm told it was put on by hyssop, dipped in the blood, and rubbed over the door. Hyssop is just common weed. That's how it was applied, by hyssop. Something you could just reach down anywhere and get a handful of it. So in other words, it wasn't hard to do. He says, and how appropriate that is tonight, that is tonight to apply hyssop as faith. He says, you put the blood on by faith. How we're covered by the blood by faith. Common faith. Well, you say, but for miracles and healing, Brother Branham, is some different kind of faith. No, it's the same faith. There's only one faith. And all good things and all things that are, are original. All evil is just righteousness perverted. Sickness is health perverted. And everything that's wrong is right being perverted. He says, well, what perverted it was Satan. And Jesus died that he might give us power through his blood to correct the thing that's wrong. Bring sinners back to salvation. Sickness back to health. Unrighteousness back to righteousness. And then he says, see, it's just that simple. And many times we go over it looking to see hunting. Oh, if I could only do this. And then he says, you could if you just don't be excited about it. Amen. So he's talking about getting all in an emotional workup. And sometimes, you know, we struggle and we try and we, we, we try and make it something much greater than it really is. When Moses told Israel, he says, this blood has to be applied, but to apply it, just grab a handful of weed anywhere you find it there and, and apply it, dip it in the blood and apply it to the lintels and the doorposts. Just regular everyday hyssop. And Brother Brown says, hyssop is a type of faith. And you just take regular everyday faith. Faith and apply the blood of Jesus Christ. That's all that it takes. It's not some great big workup or some, some great big something. God just drops the revelation in your heart and by that you apply the blood of Jesus Christ. He says in another place, he says, Now, some thinks that it's a mental conception of the word, but that is not right. Faith is a substance. Faith is not a myth. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence. And then he says, to have an evidence, it must be substance. He says, it's not just something that you imagine in your mind. It's something that absolutely you have. The hyssop was not imaginary hyssop. It was real hyssop. Faith is not imaginary substance. It's real substance. It's a real something that you possess in your own being, Brother Branham says. And what is it? It's the evidence of the things that you have hoped for. It's the evidence of the things that you do not have it yet. But you have the authority of God to say that you have it. What a statement. Are you with me? He says, it's the evidence of things that you do not have yet. But you have the authority of God to say you have it. That's what faith is. 
It's mine. It's real. It's a substance. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to. I don't have to worry about walking out of the 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 office there without a suit on because I have a suit on. It's a substance. It's real. It's not some imaginary thing that I have to be worried. Will I have a suit on when I get to the pulpit, or will I be in blue jeans or a t-shirt? Or I've often thought about what it would happen if I came out in blue jeans and a t-shirt, but you know, or came out with my shirt untucked, or all that kind of stuff that people did do in this age. And uh, well, what would you think about me if I did that? And sometimes, you know, we. We don't understand uh, how much what we look like and what we act like according to the world does to create an atmosphere or a negative atmosphere. But nevertheless, I'm getting off track here, but faith is something that I actually possess and therefore I don't have to worry about it. I was not worried about if I actually stood here and opened my eyes, will I be in a t-shirt and blue jeans? No, I had the substance of a suit. It's real. Neither is there any reason for me to worry if I'm sick that I will be healed. Amen? There's no need to worry. There's no need to fear. We have not received the spirit of fear again to bondage. But we have received the spirit of adoption. We have received the spirit of sonship. That we know who we are in the presence of God. We know what our rights are. We know that we have been purged. And that all redemptive blessings are paid for. Alright, he says it's the evidence. You have the authority of God to say that you have it. It's an evidence, something that you have in your heart. He says, I've noticed so much in my meetings that people try to work themselves up into something to make them believe. He says, now you can't do that. You're just beating the air. But faith is something that's just as calm and settled as it could be. Alright, let me stop there for a moment. Why do we preach the Word? Because faith comes by hearing the Word. It's not to work up an emotion. It's to bring a substance to you. Is to let the Word of God go out there and the Holy Spirit, which Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and life. And the Holy Spirit goes out there and quickens you and makes that Word alive to you. And you walk out of here with a possession of the Word of God. It's mine because God said so. He's revealed it to me that it's mine personally. It has nothing to do with your emotion, which is your spirit realm. Faith comes into the soul realm. It has nothing to do with your fleshly demonstration. I hate to say it. It has nothing to do with you saying amen or not. Saying amen or not is the atmosphere. All right? Just like Hattie Wright. She had to say something in order to get the response. She had to say that's nothing but the truth. What if she had just nodded her head? Nice story about squirrels. No, she said, something in her desired an expression. What was she, was she was doing? She was identifying herself before the Lord with what was being spoken. And so is it when we say amen. So is it when we respond to the word in whatever way we do. We're letting God know, I agree with that. I believe that. I accept that. I embrace that as my own. And, and, and because of that, I, I'm willing to say amen to it. I'm not saying amen because the preacher's getting excited. I'm saying amen because the word of God is mine. It's your personal possession. 
He says, it's taking God... He says, but faith is something as calm and settled as it can be. It's taking God at His word and having the assurance in your heart that God is able to keep what He said that He would do and will perform everything that He said He will do. Amen. Amen. So we can walk out of here tonight and say, there's going to be a rapture. Because God said so. I'm going to have a body change. Because God said so. I'm going to be free of this sickness. Because God said so. You can even go further and say, I am free of this sickness. Because God said so. I was healed 2,000 years ago. He said so. I was saved. You might, you might have a doubt of your own salvation, but I have accepted what Christ has done 2,000 years ago. It's a personal possession by faith, which is a substance. It is mine. I was saved 2,000 years ago. And I stand saved tonight. And I'll be saved tomorrow. And it doesn't have anything to do with my outward actions. It's a revelation that God dropped in my heart and changed my life. So all things are obtained by faith. If you can appropriate the right faith, even the baptism of the Holy Ghost is by faith. Oh, now it gets quiet. Brother Branham deals with a brother, must have been Baptist or something. I think he was Baptist. And he said, why Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him. He said, how much more can the man do? I said, Brother Branham said, truly he believed God, but God vindicated it by giving him the seal of circumcision. And now when you say you're a believer, listen close now. When you say you're a believer, God has never recognized your faith until He sealed it with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then He's recognized it as a predestinated seed. Alright. So there's a recognition of something. The recognition is not your works. He did not say God recognizes your works. He does not say God recognizes your, your, your actions. He does not say God recognizes your confession. He neither does He say God recognizes your repentance. But when God recognizes your faith, that you are a seed of God, you, the revelation of the Word has come and your soul realm has responded to that revelation. When He sees the faith of a son of God or daughter of God in there, that's when He gives you the Holy Ghost. Every other action, whether it be prayer, laying on of hands, altar calls, prayer lines, whatever it might be, is to get you to that place. To let you come to a place where you stand alone with God. And He looks down on you and says, That's my son, I give him my spirit. That's my daughter, I give her my spirit. God alone gives the baptism of the Holy Ghost as a recognition of the faith of a son or daughter of God. And all of the efforts of the preachers, the meetings, everything is to get you into that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. Are you still with me? It's an act of God. It's not of works. It's not how much you pray. It's not how much you fast. 
It's not your emotion. It's not your buildup. It's God recognizing your faith. And then Brother Branham says, if, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, He hasn't recognized your faith. So you don't have to question your actions, your prayers, your emotions, your, your whatever you've done. That's not what you question. You say, what's wrong with my faith? I need to get to the place. Oh, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing the Word. That's why you sit in service after service. That's why you get into the Word of God. That's why you feed on the Word of God. You search out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because there's, there's a predestinated seed in you crying out, Purge me with hyssop. Bring me to a level of faith that I am purged. Bring me to that purity on the inward man that I'm desiring because I recognize that's for me. It's not a conscience revelation. There's just something within the believer that says, or there's something within the predestinated seed that says, there is a perfection for me. Hallelujah. I'm glad for the driving of the seed of God. I'm glad for that which in which says I must have God. I'm glad when I was 18 years old there was something in me crying out, where is God? Not where is the bar. Not where is the world. But rather there was something in there saying there's a God out there. There's a deep crying. There's a deep that's going to respond to that deep cry. Hallelujah. And one day the word came by my way. And something happened. Something happened. And there was a change. And it doesn't matter how it happened to me, because it might happen some way different to you, but it happens different to everybody. You know, you might have Brother Thomas shared his testimony of being in the service, the way God moved on him. And uh, Brother John, I don't know if I remember your testimony. Maybe you share it someday, but uh, if you haven't already. But, you know, there's, there's different ways and I was alone out there in the Okanagan, but God came by my way. And the power of the quickening of the word came to my soul. Then there was a changed nature. And the things that I used to love, I don't love them no more. All right, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. All right. So he says another place, he says, Now you are a believer, but God doesn't recognize your faith until he proves it to you. He says, Oh brother, let me tell you something. It might be recognized in your thoughts, but when it comes into God's thoughts, God seals that faith by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So it's not what you think you are, it's what God knows you are. He says, Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness and God gave him the seal of circumcision as a sign that he had accepted him. Hallelujah. And the seal of the living God today is the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon the human heart. Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed unto the day of your redemption. The seal of God. God's recognition as you as a believer. Seals you into the body by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God's recognition of you as a believer. That your faith comes and matches the thoughts of God and that brings the life of God to you personally. Hallelujah. There's no perfection in the human flesh. Matter of fact, let me let me just read you some things that Brother Branham said about that. In the message, Oneness, he says, we know we make mistakes. 
But you mustn't look at that. It's not your mistakes. Because you're always going to have them. I'll let that one sink in a little bit. Now I believe there's a quote also where Brother Ram says, You can live so close to God till the things of the world and the mistakes become so small and so little and disappear. I, I believe in that. I believe the closer you get, the more you walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. You know, I, I believe that that's for the believer. But as long as we have this mortal body, we're going to make mistakes. As Brother Biscoe said on watch night, he said, you made mistakes in 2017. You're going to make mistakes in 2018. He said, but that's not the point. The point is your future is clear. And that's, that's really what we're speaking about, the purging. He says, you're always going to have them, but you see, it's following His rules. Following what He said do. Stumble and falling doesn't have one thing to do with it. That's so hard for us to swallow, isn't it? Because we're so used to the devil telling us, how could you stumble like that and still be a Christian? Okay, I'm the only one he tells that to. Alright. No, he tells it to all of us. How could you say it that way? How could you get a little, a little frustrated like that? How, you claim to be a Christian. You claim to have the Holy Ghost. And go through those kind of things and, and, and battles and all that kind of stuff. Maybe I just better keep reading here. He says, stumble and falling doesn't have one thing to do with it. A real true servant, if he'll stumble, he'll get up again. If he wobbles, God pulls him right back in the path, as long as he's in the path of duty. But if he's off the path of duty, God's not obligated to him. In other words, if you're doing your own thing, you're just willfully taking the gospel and, and trying to make it something to fit into your paradigm, fit into your life. That's not the gospel. The gospel changes our nature and lines us up with God's plan for our lives. And he says, as long as he's in the path of duty, God's obligated to him, knowing that he's just a man or a woman. Now, Brother Brandon just has a way of saying things. He's not saying he's either a man or a woman. He's just saying some are men, some are women. All right. He said he's obligated to that person as long as they're in the path of duty. Praise be to God. He says, he talks about human weakness in the message perfect strength and perfect weakness. And it, do, it does us good to listen to that message from time to time. To remind us that we're just human. Because even Paul said, you know, lest I be exalted by the abundance of revelation, there was sent to me a messenger in the flesh to buffet me. All right, a thorn in the flesh. Why was that? Because he was lifted up in the abundance of revelation. Well, there's never been such abundance of revelation as in this message. And so because of that, we need to remember we're weak mortal beings. God has chosen the things that are weak. God has chosen the things that are despised. God has chosen the things that are of no value. For one purpose, that no flesh should glory in His presence. He will never let your flesh come to a state of perfection on this side so that you could say, I have arrived. No flesh will glory in His presence. You might as well confess it tonight. I'm not living according to, to what my flesh is. I stand with Paul when he says, we are of those that have no confidence in the flesh. Amen. But we stand with full confidence in the blood of Jesus Christ. So Brother Bram says, God can't use it then, neither can He use it now. God cannot use our natural abilities. 
We've got to get ourselves and our abilities out of the way and surrender to the will and power of God. So it's not even I have the ability to do this or I'm talented in this area or that. Just forget about all of it. Just surrender yourself to God. Surrender yourself to His will and say, Lord, whatever you want to do with my life. Amen. Whatever your will is, I want to be what you want me to be. Another place he says, the case is with us. Not that we're too weak. The case is we're too strong. We're just too strong, that's all. See, even the person that says, you know, I'm weak and I can't do it and I got too many problems and all these kind of things. Well, who told you that? That's, that's not in the Word of God. So therefore, it's your own strength, anointed by the devil, to even tell you that you're weak. That you apply it to yourself in such a way, it says, well, you know, I have, I have nothing, nothing to offer God. He knows that. He didn't come here to take what you could offer. He came to give you what He had to offer. He came to give you the unmitigated, unmatchable price of the blood of Jesus Christ that you could be purged in the inner man and stand perfect in the sight of God. Hallelujah. That's what he gave. He says, we're just too strong. That's all the thing of it is. We're too strong headed. He says, that's right. We're too strong in our head. We know too much. Oh, praise the Lord. That's the way we get in the message of the hour. I don't know about you, that's the way I get. I, I have to always beat myself down and say, just be simpler. Don't try and figure everything out. It's just my nature. It's my, it's my, it's, it's my flesh. And you know, but God has a way of bringing the reality of everything to us because it doesn't matter if you have it figured out if it doesn't work. But when you have the right revelation of something, then it always works. It always happens just that way. It's the vindication of God and His Word. Alright. We're talking about the Holy Ghost here. Brother Ryan goes on another place. This is still the same perfect strength and perfect weakness. He says, he talks about someone receiving the Holy Ghost. And he says, glory to God. He's quoting them. Glory to God. I just received the Holy Ghost the other night. Hallelujah. And then he says... The person says, you're going to make me to do so and so. Alright, so already they got ideas. I got the Holy Ghost. Now God's going to make me something in the kingdom of God. He says, God can't use a bit of that. No, he says, whenever you get licked and realize that you're licked, and then come on back and humble yourself. Get weak and find out that you're human. He says, human weaknesses will never be used of God. But God, by the human weaknesses, pours Himself into you. Then He uses Himself. Because we realize we're just weak. Alright? So He uses Himself. You just become an instrument. He says, you've got to get yourself out of the way. Let God direct you. Let God appoint your footsteps. Let God lead your life. Let God take the worldly things out of you. Let God change your nature. Let God heal you. Praise the Lord. 
Let God do the work that he wants to do. Because the very purpose that we're here in this sinful realm is that he might express himself as a healer. Express himself as a savior. Express himself as a provider. Express himself as our peace, our comfort, our joy, our rest. All of those things. Those were the natures of God and he wants to express himself. He doesn't want us to try and produce it ourselves. And so we just let Him open the doors. We just let Him appoint our footsteps. We just say, Lord, help me to be a good follower. Many of you know, some of you have come up and asked me, Brother Tim, would you pray for me? I need leadership from the Lord. And and those of you that have asked that question, remember, I'm sure, that I said, well, God's a good leader. You need to pray to be a good follower. That's really where the prayer is. It's not, oh, I need your leadership. He's leading. Don't worry, he's leading. He's got a plan for you. He's got a direction. You just need to pray, Lord, help me to get out of the way. Lord, help me just to yield. Help me to see what you're trying to do. Make me sensitive to the leading of your spirit that is already here. We're not trying to bring, you know, we could take the scripture. We're not trying to bring the word down from heaven. We're not trying to bring it up from the deep. Where is it? It's nigh you, even in your mouth. It's in you already. And God's just trying to let that quickening of the Word become the absolute of the believer's life. And so Brother Branham says, here's something to console us. Here's something that encourages. Out of weakness and humility, God chooses the people to build His kingdom out of. If we ever get to heaven... If we ever stand in the presence of God with His church, we'll stand in a bunch of people that's been weak and rejected and cast out by the world and know it nothings. Hallelujah. Moses, how did you do it? I didn't. I was just there and he told me what to do. He chose me. I didn't choose him. It was against my better judgment. I was out on the backside of the desert and there was a burning bush. Who wouldn't go and watch a burning bush that burns forever and is not consumed? It just, it just burns there. I just went out of curiosity. I just, and all of a sudden I heard a voice and the voice changed my life. Hallelujah. Brother Branham, he talked about it himself. He says, how did I come by this? You think I'm trying to make something out of myself? I'm not. I didn't choose myself. It's against my judgment. I want to be a trapper. I wanted to be a fisherman. I wanted to be a guide. I wanted to be all these things, but he put me here. Amen. Amen. You came by the message of the hour. How did it happen? God arranged the circumstances to quicken your soul. You just came maybe out of curiosity. Somebody said something that struck your imagination. You thought, what is it about that? But something happened and you heard a voice. And it changed your life. And the word of God by faith purged your soul. Till you stand perfect in the sight of God. Glory to His name. So perfection did not come by works. It comes by faith alone. In the finished work of Calvary. I was just in Germany. And I had the uh, privilege of an extra day with Brother Ringen. And he said, I'll take you to where Luther was. And uh, so we, we drove up to Wittenberg. It was about a three-hour drive. And, and uh, Brother Ringen likes to drive. And there's no speed limits in Germany. 
just to make all you brothers jealous. And, uh, and we got there in good time. And so, looking at Luther and the type of man that he was, which Brother Branham said he had the Holy Ghost, but straight and caustic and just hard. But God needed that type of a man for that age. I'll come to this age and they say there was a prophet who grew up in a home. Why didn't he grow up in a suburb of Vancouver or somewhere nice? He grew up in the hills of Kentucky during Prohibition where his dad had a whiskey still. And he saw the effects of alcohol and the immorality of women. And he said it gave him a complex. But God gave him that complex for a reason. Because You might say, oh, Brother Branham's hard on women. No, God gave him that for a reason because he would be a prophet to a woman's age. And he would need to know the reality of a female nature. We're not talking about godly sisters. We're talking about just a female unredeemed nature. And because of that, he would need to stand firm against what the devil would try and ensnare any man with. Money, women, popularity. Amen. And so because of that, God molded him in a certain way. So I was in Germany and, and, and I was just, I'm, I'm kind of an observer and I like to ponder things and I like to, I get kind of quiet. I'm sure people that are with me just think, man, this guy never talks. But I'm just trying to absorb as much as I can from everything that I see around me. And, and Luther, of course, made a stand against the Pope. In one place he, he, he wrote on the, on the beam of the house there and he said, you know, he says, I burned the papal decree once. He said, and I'll burn it again if I have to. <laughs> Engraved it on the wall. You know, he, he, he says, he says his, his, his central theme, he had three statements. And I, I'm trying to get them right because I didn't write them down. Faith alone. Grace alone. The word alone. Because the church that he came out of was grace plus works. Was faith plus works. Was the word plus his uh, tradition. And so it was always plus, plus. And he stood there on that rock of that revelation that God had given him. He says, it's grace alone. It's faith alone. It's the word alone. And he stood for that with all that was in him because God had engraved that upon his heart. And God had not given him all revelation because it wasn't for that age. Because all revelation comes at a time where there's to be a rapture. Because revelation loses the power of the Holy Ghost. And so if you have all revelation, you've got all power. And so there had to come an age in the last days when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. So there had to be a a, a reservation for the last days, but nevertheless it was engraved in his heart that it was the word alone, it was faith alone, it was was grace alone. And so I want to say tonight that we realize the quickening that has happened in our life, it is by faith alone. And I want to anchor that down in our hearts by way of remembrance. We all know that. We all understand that. But sometimes the devil tries to push us into works because you haven't done this. Because you haven't prayed enough. 
Because you haven't read enough. Because you haven't, haven't fed enough. Because you haven't been in the Word enough. See, you, you, you're not in the Word. You're not spiritual enough. You're not, listen, all those things are important to keep you in a spiritual mind. Don't get me wrong. But that has nothing to do with the purging of God in your life. The purging by faith and the quickening of the Holy Ghost as a result of it is simply by the blood of Jesus Christ through faith. Period. Brother Brown talks about purging in the message future home. He says, he talks about the earth being purged. He says, fire, that's always God's judgment. He says, when he makes his final judgment, he says, calls you justifies you and brings you to redemption then his judgment breaks forth upon you and the holy ghost and fire cleanses away sin then you're his and that's the same thing he does to the earth when he purges it by fire so the new birth which is a purging brother Branham goes into the purging throughout the message and always takes it back to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The purging is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so the purging is like a cleansing of the earth. It's not an annihilation. There is something that was wrong, that had a wrong nature, and that was your soul. But in that soul was a predestinated seed gene that was bound or hindered by a fallen nature. And a sinful, it had a sinful, unbelieving damper on it, though it was crying out like David, purge me with hyssop. It was crying out like David, create in me a clean heart. It was crying out like David, you know, for many things in our lives, crying out to God, purge me, purge me. But yet in the midst of that, when that purging comes, it makes that soul perfect. Without spot. Without wrinkle, without any kind of blemish, without anything like that. And so, what does it mean to be purged? It means to have a pure nature. The very word purging comes from purity. And so it means to have a pure nature. Not a pure flesh. A pure nature. Brother Manum talks about it now. Even his own self. When he's talking about the Holy Ghost, you say, well, how do I know I got the Holy Ghost, Brother Tim? Well, you look at what you were, and you look at what you became. If you indeed, if God indeed has recognized your faith, and quickened you or purged you by the Holy Ghost, then what you were, you are no more. There's a definite nature change even in those raised in the message. That something happens that it's not emotion, it's not outward action. It's a reality of a life, of a likes and dislikes, the things that you love because you can no longer love the world because you have a heavenly nature. Whereas before with a worldly nature you loved the world even if you resisted the world. But there was a desire for the world. But um, the believer once purged has no more desire for sin. Alright. I'm just trying to keep this uh, straightforward here. Brother Bradham says in questions and answers about himself. He says, that's what the Holy Ghost does. It makes you meek. It makes you humble. It makes you forgiven, forgiving. He says, could they pull the whiskers from your face if you had them there? Jerk them out and spit in your face when you had the power to call legions of angels. 
Could you do that for the love of the people that was spitting in your face? He says, he's talking about the life that was in Christ, which is the life that comes in the believer. He says, if somebody just walked up to you and said, hey, you hypocrite, and smacked you on one side of the face, could you pray for their forgiveness? He says, now there's there's where the test whether you got the Holy Spirit or not. He says, when somebody says something evil against you, against someone, sometimes that claims to have the Holy Spirit, will you say, I'll get evil with her if it takes my last day? He says, now that's where you check about your Holy Spirit. Blessed are you when men shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. But you go get even with them? No. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. He says, when someone says evil about you, say something good. If you can't say something good about them, don't say anything. Just let it go. And then when you get to yourself, pray for them. If there's one thing in my life that's helped me to understand, here we go now. If there's one thing in my life that's helped me to understand that the Holy Spirit came into me down there that day, it has been that. What's he talking about? Forgiveness. He says, I was a hot-headed, fiery Irish on both sides. He says, I, I could never hardly eat it all because my mouth was always get mashed where somebody mashed it. Jumping up where I shouldn't jump up. I've got some of my teeth broke now and filled. I spoke where I ought not to have spoke. He says a te- he had a teacher. He says, I get into trouble all the times. And her name, poor old Mother Temple, he called her. He says, she just went to, the glo- to glory the other day. She says, well, look, honey, you know. She'd get me up in her lap and put her arms around me and start crying. He says, first time I ever had love like that from somebody, an old woman. She just cried over the top of me. She said, Billy, I'm going to do something for you, honey. I'm going to give you a little piece of string. He says, if any of the boys jump on you, and he says, and then he breaks off. He says, they would call me a corn cracker because I was from Kentucky. He says... I don't know if anybody here is from Kentucky, but uh, that's what they called him. He said they'd make fun of my hair, hanging pretty nearly as long as it is now, and all down over my face, and I was just having an awful time, and they would beat me around and slap me. Anytime anybody gets their temper up, they'd walk around and get a hold of me and slap me down. He says, uh, I even had knife fights and everything else. Took a Winchester rifle, tried to shoot it, pump it right into four or five boys that were beating me till I could hardly stand up. Would have killed every one of them if it hadn't been for God. Picked up the shells off the ground, put them back in the gun. They was just shooting as good as they ever did. He says, I'd have been a murderer of five boys probably. He says, was only 12 years old, high-tempered. The teacher says, you take this little string, Billy, and whenever you get mad, you just stop and tie nine knots in that string. And when you do that, then you bring that string to me, and I'll bet your temper will be over. And he said, Mrs. Whalen, he says, so her name must have been Mrs. Whalen. He called her Mother Temple. Or uh, Anyway, he's getting names mixed up here. He says, Mrs. Temple, whatever. He says, I put the string in my pocket, and he says, I, I hadn't been out in the yard five minutes till somebody popped me one. He says, I started on them. I reached down and grabbed my string. And I started to tie one knot. He says, I throwed the string down. And away I went. 
I just couldn't do it. I said, oh, I could never be a Christian. Thought of titling this message, I'll, perf- I'll serve God when I'm perfect. He says, I could never be a Christian. But let me tell you, that night yonder on the Ohio Avenue, when the Holy Spirit came in, that settled the temper. That was over. I could never do it. I could never be a Christian because I'd never get over that. I said, but something that's born in me. He says, now you can drag me out there, wallow me and knock and not me. But what I'm trying to make a point here is something happened. That old power, that old William Branham died. Someone else came in and it makes me feel sorry for my enemy. When anyone does anything wrong to me, I never pray against them. I pray for them. Amen. What is that? A changed nature. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the heavenly image. We don't really have time, but you read in in Hebrews chapter 9 where it talks about the earthly, the, the image of the heavenly, how that it was purged with the blood of bulls and goats, how much more the heavenly itself. But what is the heavenly itself? When the image of the heavenly was outer court, inner court, holy of holies, all of those instruments, what was it? It was a representation of not just heavenly uh, things that John saw in heaven in the book of Revelation. It's a representation of you, body, spirit, and soul. How that the heavenly itself, that predestinated seed gene, must be purged with a different blood than the blood of bulls and goats. All right, you can read that in Hebrews 9 if you want later. Turn with me to 2 Peter 1 before we close. I was studying this subject of purging and then it struck me. Because I thought, you know, then if we, if we have the Holy Ghost and Brother Bram says it deals with the temper issue and many other issues, it deals with the lust issue, it deals with the, with the lying issue, it deals with, with every other issue that you ever had in your old nature. But yet, in spite of that, is it possible that a believer would lose his temper? Is it possible that a believer uh, would maybe tell something that wasn't right? I would say it's possible, but because of the life that's in them, it makes them make it right. They don't go on saying, and Brother Branham said it this way, they don't go on saying, well, I'm just a part of a church, it doesn't matter, I, I got it. No, that's not what it's about. They, they go, I got God in me and I can't live like that. You say, you say, well, is it possible? Well, Brother Branham was in the room and, and the, the, uh, the phone rang and, and it was the lawyer. On the pressure of the court case and, and, and that, on the tax case that he was under the pressure of. And, and he didn't want to talk to the lawyer. And he, and he just said, uh, you know, he says, uh, just tell him I'm not in as he walked out the door. And, he, and he, something twinged and he came back. His wife said, Billy, is that exactly right? And so he, said, he says another, another day after that, he said someone phoned and, and uh, you know, one of the children answered and said, Daddy, should I tell him you're not in? You know, 
It's just that, that, that just heaps up. You see, he says, but what it was, he says, I, I told something I shouldn't have told and I needed to pray for a baby. He says, you wait here. And he goes and makes it right with the lawyer. Why? He, he didn't try to override it. He said, well, I was under pressure and this happened and that happened. And, you know, I, I'm human. Everybody's human. No, it was the spirit of God in him. It says, I did wrong. I need to make it right. It's not a spirit of God in somebody that can never admit their mistakes. Let me say that more abundantly clearly. It's not the Spirit of God in somebody that says, well, I'm a believer, I'm a son of God, it doesn't matter. No, a Spirit of God in somebody will say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And go and make it right and, and make everything right. There's no shame in being wrong as a believer. There's only shame in not admitting it. Oh, that's all right. Second Peter chapter 1 is the stature of a perfect man. And I, was, I wasn't studying the stature, but I, I want you to just look at it with me here. Verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence... Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's usually where we stop. But then I looked, was looking at the next verse, and I realized something, because I, you know, some preachers preach this, this, message, this scripture as a sanctification message, and, and I don't exactly look at it as a sanctification message. I look at it as a maturity message. Because in the, in the next portion, he says, He that lacketh these things, the, the virtues, is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So it's not just being purged. God has more for that, more than that for you in his life, in your life. And God has given us exceeding great and precious promises that by this makeup, by this molding of your character, by this, this dealing of that Holy Spirit within your life and taking you to a place, that if these things be in you and abound, they'll make you that you cannot be barren or unfruitful. In other words, the devil can't stop you. Because there's a character in you that is always reminding you, I was purged. I was purged. But yet he says, if, if you lack these things, you've forgotten that you were once purged. You've forgotten that you were born again. You've forgotten that you stand perfect in the sight of God. You're walking under the ensnarement rather of your flesh and of your spirit. And, it's trying, and the devil is trying to use your outer man to ignore what God has done in the inward man. But I want to say this. I want to say by God's grace, we are purged. Hallelujah. And all of the things that God molds in our life after that to bring us into the full image of the stature of a perfect man is to remind us of the purging that has nothing to do with the outer man. 
It is only the faith that God saw in you and He gave you the Holy Ghost to burn out every sinful nature and from the beginning of your new birth to the end of your life you are sealed until the day of your full redemption. You're sealed until the body change. You're sealed until the resurrection. There's nothing about you that the devil can ever bring against you except one thing. Make you forget that you were purged. Oh, I thank God I was purged. I thank God that He recognized my faith. I thank God that, that he, he brings that down upon our lives like He did, like He will one day on the earth. The baptism of the Holy Ghost purges the earth because after the purging of the earth, after the purging of the heavens and the earth, then the image of God descends upon the earth. The new Jerusalem comes down. And the entire chapter of the book of Revelation 21, I'm coming to a close now. The entire chapter of Revelation 21 shows the beauty of that city. But not only that, Revelation 22 begins by telling us, he says, John says, And he showed me a pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out from the throne of God and of the Lamb. What is that? That's the reality of what we receive by the new birth. As Jesus said to the woman of the well, whoever drinks of this water, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He will never thirst again. Why? Because he only needs to be purged once. Once for all. And that, that quickening of the Holy Ghost within his life will be such a river of living water that it will take him everywhere he needs to go. Not only that, but it says it, it says, and in the midst of the street of it, on an either side of the street, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, the leaves of the tree which were for the healing of the nations. If these things be in you and abound, they shall make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God recognized our faith. By that alone, He gives us the Holy Ghost. And from there, builds the character that brings forth abundantly, brings forth fruit, brings forth the image of God. Brother Branham says, and I'll close as musicians come, a man that's born of the Spirit of God does not commit sin. The worshiper, once purged, has no more desire of sin, no more conscience of it. In the Old Testament, the worshiper come in and offered his sacrifice and went back out with the same desire to sin. He says, but Hebrews said, when the worshiper in this case, who puts his hands on the Son of God's head, and his sins are purged by the sanctifying power of God, there's no more desire for sin. All right, another place, that's 52, 54. I just chose a few quotes here just to close this with. Are you still with me? All right, I just want to anchor this down in your heart. 1954, every man that's ever born of the Spirit of God takes on a nature that he cannot digest the world no more. He says, brother, if you still love the world and professing to be God's child... For the sake of your own soul, find a place at the altar and pray through until God takes the world out of you. For He has perfected forever those that are sanctified 
or cleaned by the Holy Ghost, then we are in perfection. For the worshiper once purged has no more desire or conscience of sin. He doesn't even want to sin. He will do things wrong. But as soon as he does it, he will confess his sins right there and say, God, forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. You know it, Father. God never sees it, but he's an advocate. He has a confession and he makes it. All right, 1965, see the discrepancy. Not even sin is imputed to a genuine believer. Do you know that? So why are you reading these, Brother Tim? Because it's your faith that I'm trying to deal with. I'm not trying to teach you the message. But by the ministry of the Word, God will drop a revelation in that you'll stand like Hattie Wright and say, that's exactly the truth. That's exactly what God did for me. I've got no reason to bow down to the devil. I've got no reason to listen to the devil's lies. I've got no reason to doubt my healing or doubt my deliverance or doubt this or doubt that because God has purged me once forever. You see, that's born of God does not commit sin. He cannot sin. It's not even imputed. David said, blessed is the man who God will not impute sin. When you're in Christ, you have no more desire to sin. The worshiper, once purged, has no more conscience to sin. You don't desire it. Now, to the world, you might be a sinner. But to God, you're not. Because you're in Christ. Oh, how real that is. If you want to know how bad you live, just ask an unbeliever. How could you be a Christian? This and this and this and this. That's got nothing to do with it. I was purged one day. My nature changed. The things I used to love, I don't love them no more. I've been moved from a a worldly realm to a heavenly realm. Seated in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. He says, To the world you might be a sinner, but to God you're not because you're in Christ. How can you be a sinner when you're in the sinless one? And God only sees him who you are in. Perfection in Christ Jesus. God rich in mercy. Last quote. He that's born of God does not commit sin. The worshiper once purged has no more conscience of sin, no more desire to sin. The sin question's over. I love those four letters. Over. The sin question is over. I settled it long ago. No more conscience of sin, no more desire of sin. The sin question's over. You become a part of God in Christ. Christ died to redeem you. Hallelujah. So that brings us to rejoicing. Let's stand together. Not in ourselves, not in our works, not in our mistakes, but rejoicing in the blood of the Lamb. Have you been purged? Let me ask you again. Have you been purged? Glory to God. He came by my way. He dropped His Word in my heart. I believed it. He sent the Holy Ghost as a recognition of that faith. And when that Holy Ghost and fire came in, I was no longer the man I used to be. You are no longer the person you used to be. Oh, you still got a flesh. You still got a spirit. There's a battle. But yet in the midst of it all, there's a nature that says, I just want to be like Him. Hallelujah. Amen. I I think we ought to sing, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. It's number eight in the psalm books. Amen. Do you know it was the blood?
you to sing it to the devil. Alright? We're worshiping the Lord, but I want you to tell the devil, I know it was the blood. One day I was lost. He died upon the cross and I know the blood came by my way and changed my, my life. And you just sing that in the face of the devil and just rejoice in the purging that God has done in your life. Amen? Will you do that? I know it was the blood. 